Welcome to the 141st installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. When University of Minnesota Duluth professor Randy Hansen began researching ways of developing a vibrant local food and farming system in northeast Minnesota and northwest Wisconsin, he learned that the region actually has a deep history of producing its own sustenance. Despite the harsh climate, before the 1950s, a significant amount of vegetables, fruits, and meat products were raised throughout the Lake Superior region on small family farms, serving markets near and far. But as agriculture became more industrialized and commodified, farming in the region faded. In fact, by the mid-1970s, the University of Minnesota had closed its agricultural experiment station in Duluth. But in recent years, the area has experienced a bit of a local food and farming resurgence. A growing number of beginning farmers, many of them graduates of the Land Stewardship Project's Farm Beginnings Program, are supplying produce, meat, and other products to local eaters through co-ops and restaurants, as well as via direct sales and community-supported agriculture arrangements. Farmers report not being able to keep up with the demand for products that are produced locally using sustainable methods. Hansen, who is the coordinator of the Sustainable Agriculture Project at the University of Minnesota Duluth, sees this as a prime opportunity to revitalize local, sustainable farming in the region in a big way. On some former agricultural experiment station land, he has helped establish organic production plots. And across the road from those plots, something even more exciting is going on. A few years ago, he and a group of local farmers and others established Growing Farms, an incubator for beginning agricultural entrepreneurs in the area. Growing Farms sits on 20 acres owned by Lakewood Berry Farm, which several years ago bought the land from the university. Based on a similar incubator farm in Burlington, Vermont, Called the Intervale Center, Growing Farms provides plots to beginners who have some training in agriculture but are looking to take the next step in their farming dreams. Area graduates of LSP's Farm Beginnings program have particularly benefited from this incubator, says Cree Bradley, who coordinates Farm Beginnings in the Lake Superior region. Farm Beginnings graduates find this to be an invaluable way to top off their classroom training with practical, hands-in-the-dirt experience. They are not only getting experience on the basics of raising food in this region's soils under specific climatic conditions, but they're learning the ropes of marketing to co-ops and restaurants in the Duluth Superior area. Growing Farms just wrapped up its third year and now has four farm entrepreneurs associated with it. Enterprises related to vegetable production as well as beekeeping are established at the site. I recently chatted with Randy Hansen about how the incubator farm works and how such a system can not only help individual producers, but can also revitalize a region's food system and help land-grant colleges better serve the needs of the public. And basically, again, it's a space in which we work with anybody who is interested in acquiring um, one to three acres of land in which they can farm it for, say, four, five, six years and sort of get their farming chops and uh, then make a decision about, is this my long-term gig where they can actually sink resources into it after they have gone through, you know, the difficult process of that learning curve in the first few years. And so all of the people that we've worked with as farmers here, tenants, have gone through the land stewardship farm beginnings program. And these people have gone through the one that Cree has worked with. And so it works out great because um, we're doing very different things here than what Cree does. And yet it's a great uh, step forward for them who 
are interested in taking the kinds of work that Cree has helped them go through and then actually hit the ground running here. And so we've hooked people up with markets and, uh, like I say, with tilling the soil and, and amendments and and a variety of other things. And since we're right across the road from our 10-acre sustainable egg project, Organic University Farm, we can be a helping sister project to getting this going. And so that's really the story of what we're doing here. And it's great fun, and it is so exciting to see these farmers really take the reins and uh, produce great local food and learn all the complicated uh, systems work that farming requires. Is this property actually owned by a nonprofit, or how does that work? Well, we created a nonprofit called Growing Farms, and um, we've done that in relation to the owner who is Lakewood Berry Farm, which is just right across the road here. But the idea is is that, in a sense, if we can establish a, um, a working, viable nonprofit, we will deal with a land transfer, however that's going to take shape. So we have a, a nonprofit and um, are building our capacity to uh, basically... Um, put the land into an agricultural trust, and then have it owned by growing farms as um, Hans, you know, determines when that should happen. But Hans has been really supportive and has facilitated this and really should be applauded for all the great work that he's done, having um, run a, a raspberry U-pick operation for some 30 years now, getting into his 70s, and wanting to see this land not get gobbled up by suburban development yeah. and so forth. So how logistically, how does this work? Does somebody come and rent a plot, or how does that work? Well, yes, and basically what they do is they um, make an application, and you can go to growingfarms.org and look at that. And what we really require is, and we're learning as we go, we are borrowing and um, adapting the intervale model. And so basically they fill out an application, but then we also ask them for a business plan. And then we help them with that and then work with people in the area to try hook them up with mentors, uh, farmers who can help them in the particular focus that they actually have if they want and need it. So um, they rent it for nominal fee, maybe 100 bucks or 200 bucks. And then, as I say, we help them with supplying the amendments and, uh, and the facilities and water and so forth and uh and it really gets them going on their way to uh basically exploring whether farming is in their future well it seems like like you said an extremely valuable kind of postdoc postgraduate way to do say farm beginnings where you're learning business planning and marketing and goal setting but then you need that practical experience of actually working with soils that are in this area with this kind of weather conditions pests that are in this area Absolutely. And, you know, you can go all through the book learning and thinking and projecting that you want, but that plan changes the minute you hit the field and you have to adjust constantly. And so having that background with farm beginnings is absolutely invaluable. But then having a space where it's not costing you an arm and a leg to actually go through the learning curve of hitting the field yeah. and doing that I think is a really valuable service that we're hopefully providing a few people in our northeast region as we try rebuild our food and agricultural system. 
So how many people have kind of gone through this, gone through the program here? Four entrepreneurs, as we, you know, say, because um, some of them are bee farmers, right? There's um, uh, um, hives, uh, you know, 10 um, beehives back here, and then three farmer tenants. We've been um, exploring the particular um, land tenancy that we want to engage, trying to learn from uh, Intervale where... They didn't put term limits on farmers and then ended up having people stay there 20 years. And while that's a good thing, it's not exactly what we want to do. And so we've been kind of making this up as we go. And right now, basically, the consensus in our board, working with people on our board, is to basically have you know people have this five, six years. And so we're still in our initial group of people who are going through this. Now, we've got 20 acres, probably only 14 arable, and what we actually are creating is a system in which people will farm one sort of sized area one year and then cover crop it the next year and then use another piece of land. As it turns out, 14 acres doesn't support in that farming method a huge number of tenants, but does so in a sustainably responsible way. I think that we can probably support five or six farmers on this on this land at full capacity once we get all the land uh, under usage and tillage and so forth prepped. And so, you know, it's in and of itself, it's not going to transform our food system or our agricultural system. But we don't want an industrial scale thing to do that anyway. We want to contribute in the kind of small scale sustainable way that we need to build this. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, I think a lot of people would be surprised that food can be produced here locally or was produced and can be produced now. Well, yeah. And that's kind of a sad misnomer because beginning in the um in the in the teens uh there was a very big concerted effort to build an agricultural system here and it was um by the 1920s very successful where this region was shipping food all over the midwest to omaha and kansas city and milwaukee and uh minneapolis and so forth in refrigerated car train cars and so forth and so you know, certainly you have your constraints, like anywhere you farm or work with nature, but certainly there are incredibly successful, organic, small-scale, sustainable farmers that have been doing this all along that we can draw upon, look for models, but also look backward and see that we had a viable local food system from probably about 1920 to 1950. And it's really possible to do that. And we need it now more than ever for all the health, ecological, and socioeconomic benefits that that brings. And uh, we're all trying to pitch in to try to figure out how to lay the groundwork for rebuilding that. And it, you know, and, it, and it's been great for me as a university person. Um, I've been institutionalized for maybe about 15, 18 years. And Universities, particularly land-grant universities, need to be anchor institutions for the sustainable evolution of our society that is so in dire need. And the University of Minnesota Duluth here has not had any relationships to food and agriculture for 40 years, really. And it didn't before because this experimental station was run out of the St. Paul campus. But 
those details don't matter to the community. They saw the university participating in the food and agricultural system, which was so important in our region. And then they've seen the university turn its back on that. And so figuring out how I can help turn this big wheel back towards the sustainable needs that community and our students need has been very rewarding. And this is an important piece of it. For more information on Growing Farms, see www.growingfarms.org. More on Farm Beginnings is at www.farmbeginnings.org. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Morgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.